Late Nights with Ian Collins on LBC. It is LBC leading Britain's conversation. I'm happy to take um, all sorts of call, uncomfortable calls on this one as well. I know many people, um, I share the anger and I said, you know, right at the beginning of this, we will sort of have, we kind of know the drill by now. People will light some uh, little tea candles and there'll be vigils and there'll be flowers and there'll be worthy speeches from a variety, all, all the main religions will uh, condemn uh, politicians from around the world will condemn the mayors of the capital cities will join together they will condemn and we'll all go back to it until the next one and you do sort of scratch your head as a citizen sometimes and think hang on a sec look you know we, we we have groups of people here intelligence services we have the military we have our political masters these are the guys that are surely charged with trying to sort this out has anything happened if you think back to you know i don't know think back to the to 10 terror 10 terror attacks ago as an example, are we in a different place today than we were then? In fact, all I know since then is that our own intelligence services have around about 25,000 people on a watch list. Uh, well, that doesn't make me feel safe, thinking they have a list. Uh, it suggests to me that the 25,000 on the list are on a list, but not anywhere else other than wandering around the place. Naturally, as a citizen, I would worry about that. Why would I not? So we've heard it all before. We appear to have heard it all before. Where does it go? Oh three four five six zero six zero nine seven three. And we also hear this evening that Islamic State have claimed responsibility for today's attack. In a statement, it said the perpetrators of the Barcelona attack and the soldiers of Islamic State and ca carried out the operation in response to calls for targeting coalition states. Let's find out more about Islamic State. Chris Sampson is a uh, researcher and co-author of Hacking ISIS. He joins me now from Houston, Texas. Uh, Chris, good evening to you, sir. Just remind us, if you would, about uh, where this all began. I Islamic State, ISIS, IS, well, whichever uh, name we wish to give them. Uh, wh where did this all start for these people? Uh, sure, and uh, thank you for letting me join you to help clarify. Um, we have to back up a little bit to 2003 after the Iraq invasion and look at a guy named Abu uh, Musab Ar Zarqawi. Zarqawi basically came in and created uh, the group that was previously known as um, Al Qaeda in Iraq. And, you know, in this vacuum that was created during the war, that group isolated itself towards uh, attacking coalition forces and in some cases attacking uh, along sectarian lines. Um, they, you know, they fed upon the conflict itself, but they were not present in Iraq, uh, despite the Bush administration's claim that there were terrorists in the country. He was a Jordanian who actually came into the country after the start of the war. Uh, Zarqawi was, was killed in 2006, and he was replaced by another man, uh, an Egyptian, named uh, Abu Yayab uh, um, uh, al-Masri, who basically survived about five months, I think, June to October, and he was killed. Uh, the, at that time, actually, also the group reformed a little bit with another group, and a few groups came together, and that's when we first saw the name Islamic State appear. And it was just at that point kind of thought of as ISI. Hmm. Uh, still a small group. And what, what year is this, Chris? Different. Sorry to interject. Which, which year are we sure, talking sure. about? Yes, 2006. 2006. This is very recent, Relati uh, so relatively speaking. Three, three years at right. Three years after the Iraq War, uh, this group that had been in there and as Al Qaeda in Iraq had now changed itself over to Islamic State, sure. uh, uh, ISI actually at the time, Islamic State in Iraq, 
and they had a new leader. Um, and then after uh, al-Masri was killed in October and that council was done, the new leader was named Abu Omar al-Baghdadi. Now, this guy replaced uh, the previous leader for just a little over four years, from October until April 2010. And then he was killed in a strike, at which point the guy we now know as Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS, uh, took, took the helm in April 2010. Now, if we look back a little bit also to the conflict that was going not only in Iraq, but in Syria, we can begin to see some of the problems giving them fuel. Well, think of it like peat, you know, or something that's, you know, basically that they can feed them on. We have two issues going on here. First, let me deal with the Iraq side. Now, in Iraq, what happened was that al-Maliki um, basically engaged in sectarian politics to the point of isolating Sunnis, which gave way too much fuel to the resentments, especially in al-Anbar. There were a lot of protests. And if he hadn't done that, there's a good chance we might not have this problem. Because you have to give people a seat at the table. And if you look back at some of the efforts by the coalition forces in 2007, there was a, a really, really in, intense effort to bring in the tribal leaders and bring down the insurgencies. And it was those very people that we were counting upon to bring the country back together. Well, that's really essentially who three years ago, when ISIS basically burst on the scene from the public point of view, it was those same leaders that they basically went after and since they had cooperated with the U.S. forces and coalition forces, those were some of the people who were also targeted. So then we also had to look at the failed state of Syria, though, right? So as Syria is falling, whatever they couldn't do in Iraq, they were able to transplant themselves into Syria. And they began to work with another group that, was a, that is now sort of a, a faction of al-Qaeda, even if they say that they're not, who went under the name for a while of Jabhat al-Nusra. And Jabhat al-Nusra uh, actually was run uh, by uh, one of the guys that was very key in there was uh, Zarqawi's mentor, the previous, the first leader of, uh, you know, al-Qaeda in Iraq. And there was, a, there was a fissure, essentially, between those two groups over what to do next. And when ISI, or what became ISL eventually, Islamic State in Levant, um, or al-Sham, which is why it became ISIS, um, they split off and took a very, very... Uh, apocalyptic death cult view of what to do next. At which point, as you might recall, in June 2014, they basically crossed both borders and established an area in their own name as a self-declared caliphate. Now, I'm not the best Islamic expert. You can bring on those guys. But a caliphate has a specific set of rules about how, one, a caliph is even selected and how a caliphate is thus created. None of which those things apply to ISIS. It was a self-declared caliphate, and every leader in the ulama, or the religious scholar base, uh, essentially told them, you know, very shortly, you're not legitimate. So it's very important for us to understand that, because if we're going to defeat these guys, we have to first separate them away from Islam, because Islam itself, all the leaders and the doctrine, rejects them. All the things that they do are forbidden within Islam. But the average person who might not know Islam, and I, I sort of feel sympathetic for people who don't know this, mm. they don't really see the difference. Sure. Because it's blanketed in this big, you know, hyper-pious, uh, we're, we're really the real Islam. But they're not. <laughs> 
for instance, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it, I was just going to say, sorry, sorry to talk across you, Chris, I'm just aware of time, but in terms of their overall objective, I mean, this is, you know, they're relatively small in numbers in the sense of the, the wider world of Islam, of course, but it, is their overall aim global supremacy? Is it global subjugation? Is that ultimately where they'd like to be? Is that what they think they're aiming for? That's a perfect question, because what they have two aims. The first aim is to control the entire uh, ummah, or what is known as the Muslim body, the, the Muslim uh, people. And they do this by a combination of attacking them, guilting them, shaming them, you know. Why didn't you go do this today? Are you a good Muslim? Well, if you're a person who's trying to be pious and you're not really all that educated in your own religion, you might think you're not doing enough. And number two, they take the, the, all the slights against the Muslim world by anybody, and I mean including other Sunnis, and they, they will turn around and guilt trip any Muslim to say, you're not being a good Muslim. In fact, they have had uh, many, many campaigns online to go out and harass you know, just mainstream Muslims all sure. the time to say, you're not doing the right thing. And in terms of us as, a, as the West, if you like, just a final point on this, trying to pin down who they are, I guess the difficulty is that you have these bodies of people that claim to be, if you like, the, the head honchos, the people running ISIS. But, of course, it's very patchwork-like, and there are individuals who carry out attacks, not necessarily directed from above, but will do so and happily associate themselves with the above, as it were. Right. We call, that, we call those inspired attacks. So this is the way that they're transforming now. First off, let's look at the fact that the caliphate is dying. They're losing all their physical space. So the caliphate will cease to exist. As Malcolm Nance and I call them, they will become the ghost caliphate. So they'll exist online and through lurking uh, through communities. As you know, but it's very different in America compared to England and compared to uh, Europe. We don't quite have an enclave culture here. Uh, but in, in, in Europe, there are a lot more enclave cultures where people are a little bit just more to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that creates a very different scenario when you have people who can't interrelate. Yep. So it's very, that's why I'm saying it's so important to reach across that and say, look, we, if you really want to stop ISIS, you've got to get to know other Muslims. You've got to get to be involved in those communities so that both can work together. And, well, we've we've had that here, the, the sort of ghettoization of certain communities who've, you know, the, the disenfranchisement and whatever reasons for it, the manifestation in some cases, as I think you're identifying there, Chris, is that many of these people become radicalized. They, they, they sense there's quite a lot against them, particularly young men, and away they go, carry out attack, not necessarily directed by anyone, off their own back almost and claim that this is under the the banner of isis chris we could have talked for much longer sir on that that is fascinating stuff just to get a broad brush history of uh, where this all started and where it's at i hope we can talk again on this i'm going to chat to reggie in lingfield in just a second more of your calls 0345 6060 973 on fm online on your mobile and on digital radio Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC.